Good morning, Memphis. Thank you for spending some of your Saturday morning with me. I'm Sona, and you're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. Every Saturday morning, I'm joined by experts from across the country who are investigating our most pressing social issues and common curiosities. Over the next hour, we'll learn about their motivations, inspirations, and of course, what they know about the world around us. So go ahead and grab that cup of coffee and get ready for a fun and insightful conversation. So it is the soundtrack to sports entertainment, global advertising, and demands for social justice. Hip hop is the soundtrack to so much of our lives. And whether you're a self-identified hip hop fan or not, it's likely that some form of hip hop culture is shaping various aspects of your life. Now, Memphis has played and continues to play a central role in hip hop music. And so today we're going to talk more about Memphis and hip hop's influence on culture, politics, and social justice. And to do that, joining me today is Memphis's own Marco Pave. Marco is an indie hip hop artist, a community activist, an international ambassador, a record executive, as well as Georgetown University's first hip hop artist in residence. In 2018, Marco presented Memphis's first rap opera, which debuted at Opera Memphis's Midtown Opera Festival. And in 2020, two of his songs appeared in Uncorked, the Prentice Penny-directed Netflix film set in Memphis. And Marco's latest EP, Crossroads, is available on all streaming platforms. Welcome, Marco Pave. It is a pleasure to have you with us. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, yes. You know, I had to shorten that bio because there were so many more things I could have said about you. But I know that we'll get into, you know, all of your expertise and all the things you have your hands in throughout our conversation this morning. So I just wanted to, you know, hit our listeners with some of those high points for what you have going on. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate that. That was, you know, very warm introduction. So yeah, let's, let's get into it. Yes, let's get into it. Well, let's just start first with this, because you are Georgetown University's first hip-hop artist in residence. So first, can you just tell me a little bit more about how this came to be and then what your goal is um, with this position? Uh, yeah, um, for me, it, you know, it goes back to 2015 for me when I did my uh, TED Talk, my first TED Talk, uh, Arts Entrepreneurship uh, at the inaugural TEDx Memphis. And, you know, in within that TED Talk, I'm, you know, talking about how the arts can be a, a catalyst for change and how uh, arts, uh, in building of arts infrastructure can really help change lives if we focus on like a cradle to career uh, aspect. So we tap in with somebody in the third grade that says they want to do music, supporting it throughout the whole way instead of saying, oh, you can get another job or you need to be thinking about something else, a backup plan kind of deal. Um, and so my my long-term plan for, for from that TED Talk was to, you know, create artists and residency programs, uh, to create incubators, to create, you know, uh, live, live workspaces, um, which is still a part of my plan as well. 
And so this is kind of like the first phase of, of that. And, you know, Georgetown being, you know, forward or sort of kind of forward thinking um, <laughs> institution, uh, it was it was only right for, you know, this this partnership to come come to fruition in this way to give me an opportunity to kind of uh, start implementing some of the ideas that I've that I've had and been working on. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, I think it's, you know, I think it speaks so much to the role that hip hop plays in our world that, you know, a university like Georgetown even create this position and then give you the space to really implement this really great plan. And when I heard you just talking very briefly about your TEDx talk, see, that's why I didn't even mention that you were a TEDx speaker. Because I'm like, I know this is going to come out yeah, yeah. in our conversation. And of course, folks can still, you know, listen to that TED Talk as well. Uh, but something that you said, well, a few things, um, but you said, you know, so often people get talked out of music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is so interesting because music is, you know, again, like a soundtrack to our lives, but also it, you know, it can shape people's direction. It can bring people's attention to different social issues. And so music is so important to our lives, yet people do often get talked out of it because it's not, you know, a stable or a Mm -hmm. quote unquote real career or, you know, Mm -hmm. other things that people say. So I'm wondering, you know, who supported you with music or did people try to talk you out of it? It was both. It was it was always both. It's always uh, well for me. It was it was always both. Um, you know, third grade you had I had you know starting out it was definitely a lot of you know people just like oh you know that's not gonna work or you know you need to think about something else or you're so smart why you don't do just do engineering or you know uh, something like that because I was you know very smart uh, excelled. Uh, in, in school, advanced on TCAP and all that, you know, uh, tests and all that crap, you know. Um, but music was my passion. It was a thing that I wanted to do. And so I, I didn't really start to feel, you know, support from other, you know, adults. Uh, I wouldn't say until, I would say about middle school was uh, when I first started to see like the first adults outside of you know my my household saying like oh okay cool you you got some talent or this 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 cool for you um but even still it wasn't into high school where people started to like support and like you know I had I was buying you know burning my cds and bringing them to school and selling them to the teachers and you know doing that whole nine um and that really like sparked the interest for me to be like okay this is a career because these are people that are purchasing my music is, is it sounds terrible. I recorded it in the bathroom, but these people are willing to buy this terribly recorded music um, to support me. So that that was kind of like the the the, the kickoff. Mm-hmm. And I know you mentioned, and I love this phrasing that you use, you know, cradle to career, right? Support for the arts and support for artists or just young people from cradle to career. And um, could you talk a little bit about what some of those structural supports might look like in a city like Memphis? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, first and foremost, I'm going to shout out A.C. Warden because I actually got that phrase from A.C. Warden. Cradle to Career was one of his, you know, uh, ideas that he was thinking about um, with addressing all types of things. Uh, but yeah, so in a place like Memphis, um, you really have to 
go into the community because uh, it's so, you know, the school system is is what it is. You know, Shelby County Schools is what it is. And we can't, you know, put so much pressure on the school system like like Memphis, which is so huge. Um to, to, to do everything. Um, so being able to have, you know, community organizations that can really reach the students, um, that can build up their, you know, reputation, that can eventually be, you know, merged with the schools. Um, I, I think about, you know, the work that Ty Boylan does a lot, and he's been able to really just utilize his youth development skill set that he's built over the years and really connect with people way outside of, you know, just in the classroom. Um, so that's that's needed. You know, money is always a money is always a key. Money is always an issue. We need more uh, philanthropic dollars, but also we just need more. You know, uh, commercial dollars to come into to, to come into the space to support you know up and coming artists to support people who are uh, makers or painters or whatever it is. We need to be able to support people to help them build build up. Um, whatever it is that they're trying to build. Uh, so definitely that. And then also space, space, you know, physical space. Uh, the collective is, is amazing for that. You know, they have um, the, the Orange Mile Gallery, which is provided so much space and opportunity for people to present themselves. And we can't stop there. We got to get more and more space for Black people, Black artists, people of color to showcase themselves and their work uh, across the city. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think there are, you know, we see the creation of more spaces coming about for artists of all different types, not just music, but other types of art as well. Um, but space is definitely, definitely key. Now, one thing about Memphis is that we do have a very rich legacy in music and a lot of different genres of music, but obviously hip hop, um, you know, being what we're talking about today and Memphis playing a big role in hip hop, um, even though oftentimes I think maybe not as recognized in certain spaces or not given it's, you know, just due um, as we think about, you know, even hip hop styles today. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, what are your thoughts on both Memphis's role in hip hop and in the city's own embracement of our hip hop legacy? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, Memphis, Memphis's hip hop influence is, you know, incredible. You know, the Three Six Mafia uh, are equivalent to, to the Beatles. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't want to recognize that or admit that. But their influence on music is 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 just, just you can't deny it. Uh, the the sound twenty years later, twenty five years later, the music that they made in ninety five is is the music that is still being contemporarily made in twenty twenty one. They're being sampled over and over and over. You know, in 2019, 2018, you know, the the biggest records came from you know Three Six Mafia or Project Pat sample um and so uh with with that happening in the, on the international level uh memphis does the opposite and does not really embrace that that history and embrace that that culture if you think about a place like houston uh houston has streets named after you know bun b and you know uh, uh uh, they have a hip hop role kind of deal. If you think about Atlanta, they have you know the the, the trap music museum and hip hop is 
in, ingrained into the culture in Atlanta versus a place like Memphis where it's still, you know, focused on the blues, focused on Elvis. You know, we don't really incorporate hip hop into our politics and we don't really, you know, utilize our hip hop artists to, you know, bring awareness to things uh, in, in the city like, you know, other other major cities. Um, they have deep hip hop histories. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you think that Memphis will, there will be a future in Memphis where we see that embracement? Um, I definitely think so. We, You know, older people got to die. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, yeah, retire. Hopefully they retire before, you know, they have to do that. But yeah, no, nah, just <laughs> on a serious tip, like now it's, it, it takes younger people um, younger people who are familiar with these stories, who grew up with this music, you know, uh, you know people don't think, you know, the hip hop generation, like uh, Jay-Z is 50, 50-ish, almost, you know, 60 years old. Like, so it's, it's our time, you know, uh, coming up. So the young, you know, the more people who are familiar with this music, grew up with it and embrace it, uh, get into office or get into positions of power, it definitely will open up more. Um, but that same thing said, we younger people cannot come into these spaces and try to withhold the same old guard as as the older people. Um, That will be a challenge. So, yeah. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, um, I'd like to hear more about your role as an independent artist, as um, a community activist, and how that has influenced your music. This is Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. You're tuned in to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Sana, and I'm here with Marco Pave and we've been talking about hip-hop and Memphis and I know one big um, aspect or characteristic of your music is that it is very socially oriented and so I'd like to talk a little bit more about hip-hop and its role thinking about um, social justice and even social injustice and drawing attention um, to a lot of the uh, issues that we see continuing to plague our nation. So first I just want to start with you as an artist and your decision on the topics that you talk about on even the imagery and your style. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, uh, I didn't know it was a conscious decision until it was, until it became a conscious decision. Um, but yeah, when I was younger, uh, eight, nine, 10, in up to 13, I was a gangster rapper. So like <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people don't know that I was, you know, shooting them, banging them up, you know, doing everything, everything you can think of uh, in in the music. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, my environment was there. And, and I, I go back to a very specific moment. Um, I, I, I used to hate this moment. Um, but speaking of the CD burning uh, situation that I talked about in high school, I stayed up all night one night uh, burning my CDs. Uh, I, it was uh, one of my my mixtapes. So I was I used to be I used to be renegade the rap god, uh, and, and so I had my CDs burnt. It was Cutthroat Mafia Volume One. This this how you know, this how you know I was you know gangster. <laughs> um, 
And I had all my CDs burnt. It was like 175 of them ready to go. And my dad ended up finding or listening to one by mistake or something like that. And he took all my CDs and was like, ain't no song of mine going to be, you know, putting no music out uh, with, with with this type of language and this and that. Um, and so it was, that was my first censorship. That was my first challenge of proving that I could do rap without, uh being degrading to, to myself or to my community and things like that. So I really had to learn how to be a better songwriter and things like that. And like, you know, my dad don't even, he don't think about it in that way. He was just trying to punish me, but I, you know, <laughs> I had to take, I had to take what lesson that I could take from that situation and, and really go forward. Um, and it really influenced me into adulthood, uh, into my music, things that the messages that I wanted to put out. Mm-hmm. I love how you use that constraint and um, turn it into creativity mm-hmm. where you were like, I still want to express myself in this way as a rap artist, but now how can I kind of dip into my vast knowledge, right? Because I know you said you were really smart as a young person and folks are really pushing you to do other things. So how can I kind of use those talents and redirect how I'm presenting myself in my yep. So once you kind of made this more conscious decision to reframe some of your lyrics or at least the way you were saying certain things, um, at what point did you take a more, I would say, a more pointed kind of like social justice um, frame for your songs? Because some of them are very much, you know, calling out social injustices and talking about, um, you know, change or other possibilities. Yeah, I mean, it was for me, I was always doing it, even when I was, you know, rapping about shooting people and and, and robbing. um, It was, it still was about the community. It was about what was what was happening. I was just trying to showcase and and give a lens to what what things that was going down. Um, But instead of being first person, I had to be, you know, a, a griot, a storyteller. So it was more so of that um, that really pushed me towards uh, the social justice um, mindset, uh, but also really just being being a college student and being, you know, getting ready to go to college and learning about uh, all these crazy stuff that's happening. Uh, I did my capstone project in my senior year of high school on the infant mortality rates in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 38108 had the high, higher uh, infant mortality rates than Sri Lanka and, you know, Bangladesh and places like that, where it was just like, whoa, this is happening literally in my in my backyard. So just just my 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 formal education really influ- influenced, you know, how I wanted to, to think about uh, my music and what my platform could be. Um, and then in 2013, that's when I really started to make this shift to like community work. Um, and that's when I did Books on Bill, um, uh, my first like benefit concert. And that, you know, from, from that, once I did Books on Bill, it was like, whoa, this, this, this is the guy, this is the, the community rapper. So <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so much now of contemporary and I'll even say like mainstream hip-hop I think we see a lot more music in the past few years that have very pointed social justice like themes or lyrics in ways that maybe you know in years prior we didn't see as much 
Um, and I'm thinking also about how we see different hip hop artists being more vocal about social justice issues. And so I'm wondering, um, what do you see as hip hop's role, you know, just more broadly in social justice movements? Um, yeah, I mean, hip hop's role definitely uh, has shifted in a lot of ways, uh, just because it's, you know, corporately controlled at this point. And we have to be be honest about that. The music that we hear on radio, the music even that, that we hear on on-demand services like Spotify and, and, and Apple Music are, are influenced by the, the major labels. And so the major labels have an agenda. They want to, boom, sell records. Um, and that's, that's their business model. So, you know, hip-hop in that way, the, the corporate hip-hop has nothing to do with our communities um, other than the people being in place, mostly Black artists, Black producers benefit in some ways financially. And we, we hope in turn, they, they bring that to their own, own communities. But, you know, hip hop as a, you know, platform and community tool is always, it's the same as it always been. People are gonna organize. That's the most important thing to be doing, uh, connecting with community members, building with your, your core members, um, and hip hop teaches us to do that. Hip hop teaches us to, you know, start our own businesses and be our own bosses and, and rely on our own sales to, to do the things that we say we want to do. Um, and, and for me specifically, I learned it from hip hop. I didn't learn, you know, economics from nobody but Jay-Z and, and Rick Ross growing up. Um, I didn't, you know, really start I, my first economics class was maybe in college but you know the economics grassroots that I was learning from the music could not be beat could not be matched so yeah mm -hmm. I love how you talked about you know mm -hmm. learning about economics and business you know through hip-hop because mm -hmm. so much um I was actually working on a project with Joey you know Joey yeah um, shout out to Joey Brown yeah <laughs> And we were analyzing hip hop lyrics, uh, mainstream hip hop lyrics um, for mentions of entrepreneurship, business ownership, investing, but also other mentions of, you know, money and spending as well, which we know are very much um, embedded throughout uh, hip hop culture. But thinking about what do these messages tell listeners about creating wealth? Mm -hmm. um, especially now I think in mainstream music you hear a, a lot more about generational wealth or making mm -hmm. certain business decisions within you know the industry to try to create or at least um, profit more directly from those you know major industry labels as well um, mm -hmm. so I just love that you mentioned you know these lessons life lessons really that you learn from hip-hop not from you know any other space where we might mm -hmm. think about you know where we should be learning some of these yeah, so yeah, absolutely. Um, so thinking about hip hop and social justice, because I just want to stay here for another moment. Um, I'm wondering, um, what do you think about uh, the potential for hip hop to really, I think, um, really advance some of these social justice movements? Or if it is a space where you feel that mainstream hip hop should be completely divorced from modern social movements?
Uh, yeah, I would I would definitely lean towards mainstream hip hop being divorced uh, from from the social movement, um, just because it's it's the it's a part of the capitalist cog, like you, you it's part of the wheel, um, and so this is going to have to be where where it is. And people who are interested in community development, people who are interested in dealing with people, uh, they will they will be interested in doing their work. Um, you know, mainstream hip hop is teaching you know a lot of people uh, just to, to to recreate you know what, what white people do, where it's just gentrify your own neighborhood and, and, and displace anybody else who, who can't afford it. Um, that's not necessarily the move. Um, but if you don't have uh, a critical media literacy or you're not connected with community members in that way, like you, you do think that's the way um, because you maybe you were poor growing up and you saw, you know, your, your people struggling. And so you think that if you have it and then other people not having it, uh, you can't do nothing about that. So, yeah, mainstream hip hop has to be divorced from from the conversation because you know it, it doesn't really have a community minded uh, sensibility, and just like American capitalism doesn't have a community minded sensibility. So it's not you know to demonize hip hop artists or mainstream hip hop artists is just to say like capitalism is very individualistic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so interesting you brought up that point about gentrify your own neighborhood because I see different memes, you know, circulating through social media, you know, talking about that. And I'm like, I don't, no one else sees a problem with this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like you said, that is, that does not seem like the move to mm -hmm. <laughs> displace your own people. No, I don't think that's, that's not okay. Um, <laughs> So now I know that you are an independent artist. So mm -hmm. tell me about your decision to remain independent, because I'm sure there have been folks who wanted to sign you to different labels or were pushing that as like a good opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not with it. I just I didn't see so many people ruin their lives and you know, sign this deal and everything is, is, is exciting and they hyped. And then, you know, the, you know, a few months, the label got somebody else that they more excited about. And, you know, people dealing with depression from being dropped from their label. And, and, and then they start trying to, uh, uh, they trying to use their position of power and trying to, you know, uh, abuse other people because they, you know, they got signed and things didn't work out. So I, I, I've always knew the game. I seen how it went and I never wanted to be a part of that. I never wanted to be used to be a part of that. I never want to uh, get some full position of power and then try to dangle that over people who don't really know the game uh, kind of deal. So it's always been been that for me. So if uh, I'm just the type of person I'd rather have, you know, 100% of 10,000 uh, then, you know, 10% of, you know, 50,000, like this, you know, this me, like I'm, cause I know I can always keep my, keep my earnings growing. And as long as I can keep my own earnings growing and take a hundred percent of that, I don't really need anybody in my, in my pocket or in my situation like that. Mm -hmm. Now I know that a lot of people, you 
kind of they get into a position where they're on and like you said they want to basically recreate these exploitative models um, against other artists um, so i'm wondering if you could talk more about the possibilities for a different type of business model or even distribution model that is beneficial to the artists themselves but could also be a space to create you know whether it's community amongst different artists or even just to create bigger platforms for one another what would that look like oof uh man honestly it would look definitely look like a lot more a lot less social media um, social media has to be, you know, take and take, it has to take a step back, um, because that has been the main focus for, for artistry, or you know, just the main benchmark or measurement for success as an artist. Mm -hmm. And so even when you get signed, people that's getting signed have already literally built their own careers. They, they, they literally, you know, build everything from the bottom. And, and now they got, you know, millions of fans on social media and then the label comes along and says, hey, we want to sign you. And it's like, nah, I already did the work myself. So uh, let's focus on that and more focus on like, you know, building with, with real fans. And, and you see the difference between, you know, an artist that has real fans versus somebody that's social media famous. You know, take somebody like Moneybag Yo, for example. He has fans when he's doing shows you see sold out audiences all across the country people who don't have fans like that you never see concerts you never see uh physical events you never see anything happening um like that because it's so focused on social media um and in the other other problem with social media is that it, it forces artists to rush it forces artists to push put thing, everything that they do out in the immediacy just to see if it works if this and that and so there's there's this lack of artist development and we need more more time for artists to develop find their voice find how they want to come come on the track find out how they want to present themselves instead of doing it in real time all the time in front of everybody um that's that's taxing for the artists it's taxing for the minds of, of artists um to to do um so yeah that's that's my like 10 cent on that <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned that because you hear other creatives not just music artists but other creative folks kind of mention that same thing about how it's difficult to kind of be working out your creativity in front of people in real time that you kind of are robbed of those opportunities to fail or you know to make a misstep because people are very quick to judge and kind of have, you know retweet or amplify any of those missteps that you might make but so much of that creative process is you know working through things figuring out what works what doesn't work or even just refining how you want to present something even if it's mm -hmm. not you know working or not working but just that creative process which is so much of revision and revision or remixing of things um so it's really interesting to hear you talk about social media um, in this kind of negative way right we think about so many of the benefits of social media um, but there are also a lot of drawbacks as well mm -hmm. Uh, so with that being said, I'm wondering, what is your take on social media's impact on hip hop culture, whether positive or negative? Um, 
you know, it's it, it, social media makes everything very monolithic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you you have, you don't even have regional rap no more. Um, Memphis is one of the very, very few places where people sound like they from from where they're from. You know, you hear Moneybag, you hear Pooh Shiesty, you hear uh, Big 30, you hear, you know, all these artists and they sound like they from Memphis. Like, you know, for sure, like they, 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 they got it. Uh, but you go everywhere else, you go know, Cincinnati, you go to, you know, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, you go to Detroit. Well, Detroit got a distinct sound too, um, but it's very few regional sounds anymore. Um, and because everybody is sounding the same, everybody is, is, is doing the same performance. Um, the, the videos are all the same. You know, you have the, the, the neighborhood gun videos. Every, every, every trap rapper in the hood is, is in conversation with other trap rappers in, the, in other hoods to basically say, we got guns, we got guns too. Like, <laughs> like y'all got guns. I got guns. So that's like, that's the conversation. And that's, this is literally what's happening across the board. And that's, you know, that's an extreme version, but even just, you know, the, the, the lingo and language, how, you know, every, you know, everybody said saying the same stuff or, you know, doing the same dances and not that that wasn't always the case, but it's much more massively produced um, now than, 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 than other times. So yeah, the social media definitely, makes is making this like everybody has to be the same kind of energy Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's easy to kind of key in on a formula right so like you said whether it's the imagery or you know a certain sound and kind of recreate that versus Mm -hmm. having your own creativity your own innovation your own distinctiveness but as you mentioned for Memphis hip-hop artists you kind of know when you're listening to a Memphis artist. So <laughs> what do you think it is about Memphis that allows artists to retain kind of that regional distinctiveness? I mean, we country, like, <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> we, we country, uh, and, and, you know, Memphis is literally like, you know, the capital of the Delta. And so when you break it down in a regional perspective like that, you know, Memphis being at the top of Mississippi um, and in some places, Whitehaven, you literally throw a pebble and you in Mississippi. Um, you you drive across the bridge, you in Arkansas kind of vibe. So it, it, it places us in this real country uh, place where, you know, we don't have a lot of outside influence coming into our, our place. And so our language, the way we talk, our lingo, our accents are very strong and very deep. Um, and that's what people want to hear. When, when Memphis, rap, Memphis rappers get hot because they sound like they're from, they're speaking for and from the people. Uh, people love Moneybag Yo because he is, he is, Moneybag, I, I thought about this the other day. Moneybag is, he is the, the dope boy that your father did not want you dating. <laughs> he, is the, he is the one, he is the dude that you was not supposed to be dating if you were a girl uh, kind of situation. And he just embodies that and it's, it's awesome. Like he, he <laughs> I was telling people the other day, he's not a gangster rapper, he a Memphis rapper. He's just, you know, gangster stuff just end up happening to people in Memphis like you you be in weird situations like that um so it's 
it's just a real place. It's people, Memphis gonna keep you grounded and keep you real. Um, and yeah, you just wanna keep you wanna keep your accent if you from Memphis. Like even think about somebody like Gotti. Gotti has been rich and famous for 20 years, and he still be talking about street and <laughs> Scrawberry and, and and all of that because it's just it's just in them like it's the it's the realness so yeah mm-hmm. yes there's definitely that authenticity and as you men- mentioned Memphis will definitely keep you grounded as well mm-hmm. right um, there's no escaping your Memphis roots even if you wanted to um, let's take another quick break you're listening to let's grab coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM we're here on let's grab coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM I'm Sana, and I'm joined by Marco Pave, hip-hop artist, community activist, international ambassador, record executive, and Georgetown University's hip-hop artist in residence. So if you're just now joining us, we have been, of course, talking about hip-hop, talking about Memphis hip-hop in particular, and how hip-hop is really influencing, you know, so many different aspects of our lives. And of course, for folks who are listening in Memphis or from Memphis, uh, then you know Memphis's influence on hip hop music just all around the world as well. So speaking about worldwide music influence, now you are an international ambassador. Um, So tell us more about what you have been doing internationally as it relates to music. Uh, yeah, it's, it'd be so many different random people be hitting me up <laughs> just trying to connect and do stuff. Um, but my, I, w- I would say my first big um, international situation was uh, MLK 50 and a journalist from Portugal, uh, basically like from the CNN of Portugal, came to Memphis and did like a story about, you know, the, the history of uh, MLK and and where we are today, and I drove them around, uh, you know, all around the city. They filmed me for like a day, a day and a half, and that, that was like super, super powerful because it aired in Portugal, and I had, you know, people all in my DMs hit me up like, y'all just saw blah, 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 I'm, you know, you from Memphis and different stuff like that. So that was kind of like one of my big, big moments in 2018. Um and then last year, uh, I became, well, 2019, I became a uh, uh, hip hop ambassador to Bolivia mm-hmm. in South America. And the trip came up in 2020. And so we went down to Bolivia um, to, the goal is to introduce hip hop culture to uh, countries and places that don't necessarily have a deep, deep hip hop history or deep hip hop culture. Um, and we're trying to advance it and excel it in ways by teaching them about, you know, uh, branding, teaching them about marketing, teaching them about the, the music business, um, how to get your music out there and, and, and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, it was super dope being able to build and prepare for, for that trip, uh, using WhatsApp to talk with people um, all across the all across the world. Um, and, and the trip was unfortunately cut short because of COVID. Um, so I was in the supposed to be there for a month and that was the end of cut short uh by three weeks um so we had to get rushed home uh but the impact that we did have when we were there was just amazing and incredible 
Um, and I'm definitely looking forward to going back when, when restrictions are, are lifted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what do you think of hip hop's impact globally? How do you see hip hop, you know, shaping other countries, other young people, and even other um, social justice movements around the world? Yeah, I mean, it's nothing, nothing like hip hop. Honestly, it's nothing like hip hop. Like it's the most influential movement that has ever existed outside of Christianity. <laughs> like, and, you know, every, everybody can be in hip hop, you know, no matter what your religion or whatever it is. So it, it's more inclusive than any major religion. Um, and that's why, you know, uh, what Kanye said, is hip hop just a euphemism for a new religion? Yeah, you know, kind of, maybe. Uh, and so it just gives so many people from, you know, less, let's say you're from a country that doesn't have, you know, the, the First Amendment rights like Americans have. Mm-hmm. When you participate in hip hop, you are inherently grabbing your own First Amendment rights because you are participating in a uh, movement, a culture that's from America that is explicitly based on First Amendment rights. And so however you practice hip hop, no matter where you're in uh, Japan or China or whatever, you are you are giving yourself a voice to have to have freedom. And so that is a powerful thing, no matter where you are. And it, and it really helps, you know, so many different different countries. If you think about, you know, what was happening in Nigeria over mm-hmm. over the summer and all the burner boy and big, all the big big hip hop artists are speaking about it. Migos shine light on it. And they did a beautiful thing by, by not showing like the, the violence. They show the, the beauty, the beauty of, of the country. They show the people dancing and singing to their music and, and really shine the light on what was happening in this international uh, crisis. Uh, so yeah, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, un- it's an unstoppable force for sure. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, um, you know, is hip hop a euphemism for a new religion? Uh, shout out Kanye. Um, but if hip hop is, and I know you kind of made the comparison of is it, it reach similar to a religion, what would you say are hip hop's teachings? Um, self-reliance for sure. Uh, community really authenticity is 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 another one um yeah it's just it's kind of just stuff like that and it's really it's not like a universal law I don't feel like people try to make universal laws for it but it's really just whatever wherever you are and how it how it works for you how it works for your community like how people do in Memphis might not be how people do you know in 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 other places but I do think you know uh there there's a more responsibility now to really have some type of you know guidelines like what is being a, a good hip-hop artist not not rapping not having a good good rap like you know uh is this being disrespectful to our women is that we, what we gonna keep doing or you know uh being being a uh, being a liar or being a robber is that you know is that how we gonna keep you know living our lives what's the standards of of how you live your life as a, as a hip-hop artist and i think you know the the youth side of the culture 
doesn't really care and they're, re they're ready to be wild it's, it's all get out um but then you have the older rappers like jay-z and nas who are trying to like set some parameters of of how things go um and you you know you always face face backlash when you're trying to tell young people to you know get, pull their pants up and get it together <laughs> so yeah I mean, I think that really speaks to the generational, I don't want to say divide, I'll say generational growth within hip hop, thinking about hip hop as a culture uh, that has its own elders, right, that are at different <laughs> stages in their lives than they were when they first started music. So we're also, I think, witnessing um, just the growth as humans that artists are going through as they get older and go through those different life stages. So kind of like witnessing that maturity <laughs> in real life and how it's now, you know, being present in folks lyricism, right? So mm -hmm. like a Jay-Z isn't going to be rapping about women in the same way that he was when he was young younger and unmarried versus <laughs> now that he has you know a family yeah yeah so you're with and I, I think you know but that's the that's the difficult part because you know people you know I, I challenge our young men to, to to think deeper than that you know a lot of a lot of men like they say oh well Jay-Z is an exception he married to Beyonce so of course he can respect Beyonce uh but the rest of these girls out here they they ain't nothing and so it was like you know really trying to challenge that like do you have to be a family man to respect women do you have to be you know married to you know understand that you know uh, women have their own agency and they can do what they want uh kind of deal so really just like what are what are the what are the standards of of of, of manhood uh that are separate from hip hop that we can uh, incorporate into hip hop to just to to create better stewards in the, in the community. Mm -hmm. I love that framing of it because as you were talking, I was also thinking about how um, over the past couple years, I feel like there's been a lot more attention to Black men's mental health in particular. Um, but also Black men's own emotional lives and um, seeing, I think, expansion on what manhood looks like and what emotion looks like for men and wondering, you know, how those conversations in, you know, kind of broader society would then find their way or not, right, into hip hop music, which has very traditionally been, you know, very hyper masculine. Mm hmm. I mean, it's 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 always been there. That's the thing, you know. Uh, and that's the caveat of being a black man. You could tell someone to their face, "I'm hurting," and they're gonna say, "Oh, he's so gangster." <laughs> and it's like, no, I literally said I've been drinking uh, codeine for three nights in a row because my heart is broke, and people gonna turn that into a trend. Mm. But I'm telling you that I'm hurt. I'm telling you there's something going on with me. I'm telling you that this is an issue, but instead you don't hear what I'm saying. And so that that that's a big issue. Um, and so it is how do we listen better? How do we understand what people are going through um, when they tell us that this is what they're going through? When people saying I'm hurting or, you know, I ain't got no feelings or this and that, like these are, are, are all in, in a lot of ways cries for help or just uh, signaling 
them signaling that they are that they have an issue and so um and uh, you know obviously we can go deeper and be more conscious about uh, our mental health as individuals um and think about therapy and think about things that hurt us because they're they're also at the same time these same artists will tell you that they don't need therapy or that they don't you know have to have to deal with it because I do got my 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 drugs or I do got this situation um, and so it's 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 a delicate balance that needs to be met um, definitely men need to be able to be more vulnerable um, to say the things that that they feel without feeling like they're going to be bashed or, or called derogatory names um, in that regard. But yeah, it, it's a lot a lot of work to be done for sure, but there is a lot lot of work being done. Listen to artists like Big Sean, um, who, who are using their platform to talk about mental health. Artists like Royce the Five Nine, uh, using their platform to address mental health. Uh, even Charlemagne, Joe Budden and these these people are, are talking about it so it's, it's happening but we need more for sure mm-hmm. I love how you say you know people are telling us that they're hurting or telling us about their kind of inner emotional lives um, or you know psychological state but are we hearing them are we hearing them with ears of compassion and understanding or are we hearing them through a lens of like oh let's party you know let's get messed up or you know let's avoid our own feelings too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that that's you know really important just thinking about you know, the examples that you gave, but also as you were talking, I was thinking about even just, you know, lyricism around like hyper-independence or being a savage or not having emotions and using people, all of those really are, um, if not cries for help, they are characterizing folks who are hurting in some way, because as you mentioned in the beginning, you know, hip hop is about community. And so these are our, in many ways, community members who might feel isolated from Mm -hmm. those supportive community ties. And we hear it as like fun music or good beat (laughs) and are ignoring the messages that people are reading. Yeah, and there is many, many of them. And and like you said, the isolated word is an important word because a lot of people are recording this music in their closets by themselves or, you know, maybe one or two people and then they blow up and then now they're surrounded by all types of people. Uh, But music nowadays, a lot of times is very, very solitary and very, you know, lonely and, and, and scary. And so when you do hear songs like that, people are not just singing these songs just to uh just to to just to have get gang fans like they're really trying to say something um another point i want to make about you know hip-hop being been uh, having this history um it was a, a piece an article i forget what what journal it was journal uh what publication it was in um but they were saying that artists like scarface um pioneered emo rap mm. and you know people don't really liking that because they are Scarface, that's a gangster. He rapped with Tupac and this and that. And it's like, no, Mind Playing Tricks on Me is definitely an emo rap song. It's it's more Lil Uzi Vert than it is N.W.A. Um, and so, you know, re- really thinking about 
going back and listening to that song. What is he trying to say? You know, that song is about guilt. That song is about shame. That song is about, you know, all the all these things that I had to do to, to, to survive in this crazy environment. And I'm still alive, but I'm looking over my shoulder every, every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, I think oftentimes we can put these artists in their genre or category. And so we don't hear these other messages or other themes that are really coming through in the music because we think of, oh, this artist is a gangster rapper. So it's just, you know, about this type of lifestyle versus hearing with different ears um, to really key in on, you know, other things that these artists are experiencing, you know, in their lives and sharing with us through their music. Um, I know that our time together is coming to a close. I just wanted to see if there are any artists that you're looking forward to that are putting out new music or even maybe some artists that you might say are up and coming um, that you are, you know, excited about their music. Um, yeah, for sure. My, um, my good friend, uh, Tater Pro, he's always dropping, you know, dropping gems. He got a bunch of, bunch of heat, heat on the way. He's a producer as well. Um, who else? Uh, uh I don't want to be on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just excited about Memphis. It's just so many, man, it's so many artists doing stuff, uh, making exciting music that I try to keep up with. And I'm just like, I come out of my bubble sometimes and that was 20 new artists. Um, and I'm, you know, saluting them all and trying to support them all. So yeah, this, you know, uh, without naming too many, this, this how I feel. Okay. And I know that you've been working on some things. Do you have any exclusives you want to share with us? Stuff that you have coming up that you want to talk about or hints at that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, um, you know, uh, I would say a new industry shift. Okay. This, 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 all I can, this, all I can give you a new industry shift that is going to employ way more people than I've ever had through music, uh, in this new industry that is going to open up the pathways for, for Memphis in ways that, you know, that, that have not been done before. So, that's that's the exclusive you'll see what it is and how it plays out but you know okay all right all right well (laughs) when you're able to say more maybe you'll come back and say more (laughs) i got you now you know i got you but that's that's it that's the you know there it is all right well thank you so much marco it has been a pleasure to have you here with us this morning Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again to Marco Pave for joining us this morning. It was so great to talk to a Memphis artist about music, about hip hop culture, and really the ways that hip hop has shaped so many different aspects of our life, but also put Memphis on the map in many ways as well. So for today's positive note, I want to leave you with a quote from Stevie Wonder. says music is a world within itself with a language we all understand you know I love those moments when you know a song comes on and you just really feel connected you know to the artists to the lyrics or to even the people around you and there's something about those moments when we all lose ourselves within music and really can connect to one another in a way that you know really defies 
words. So I would say on this beautiful Saturday morning, go ahead and listen to some great music and let it take you to, you know, a nice little escape or a nice little place to, you know, get away. And I also want to say one more thing, which is to cultivate that listening ear. Sometimes music is telling us more than what we might first think think. Y'all, this has been Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Sana, and I'm here every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. And don't forget, if you miss a Saturday morning, you sleep in, you can always catch the replays or even the archived shows on WYXR.org and on Apple and Spotify. I will be with you again next Saturday morning. Can't wait for you to join me.